So we're going to try and get through uh, quite a lot this morning um, from last week. Um, what I would like you to do, if you can, is turn again to Genesis chapter 3. We'll turn elsewhere uh, in a moment, but let's turn there to begin with. So uh, last Sunday morning, we looked at um, the important difference between principle and promise. Uh, the key verse that we looked at was um, from the Proverbs, which teaches to train up your child and the way that he shall go, and when he, was, when he is old, he shall not depart. And the question we asked, is that a principle or a promise? And of course, if we read it as a principle, that sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not, then what we're effectively saying is that, is that God expects us to keep his word, but he doesn't have to keep his own. Uh, and so it cannot be read as a principle, it has to be read as a promise, or as Tyler pointed out last week, it has to be read as it is what it says it is, like gravity is what it is. You cannot overcome gravity you can uh, suffer because gravity exists. If you were to jump off a small height, your knees could take it, but if you were to jump off a very large height, uh, your body could not withstand the fall. It's the same gravity is applied in both. The difference, however, is the height from which you fall or jump or whatever it may be. So God's word must be understood um, as promises um, but in those promises, you are able to understand your part. And we looked at that from Genesis 3. Um, if you eat from the tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil, the tree that you're not allowed to eat from, uh, then you will die. So God's word, uh, like gravity, is there. It cannot be overturned or removed. It cannot be sometimes true and sometimes not. And so when they ate from the tree of knowledge, um, that is exactly what happened. And then we had an understanding of what death actually looked like spiritually and physically as well. So I want us to go back and look at God's warning uh, again this morning, um, if we can, uh, in Genesis 3. And then we're going to look at the relationship between truth and experience. Now, for parents, this is going to be pretty crucial for you as you see your child growing up because one of the ways uh, that we get to know who God is is God is always known through what he does. Even in scripture, God is known through what he does. And so even though he is known through revelation, that revelation always corresponds to something that he has done, is doing, or is about to do. And because God is known through what he does, Therefore, experience plays into knowing God. And because of that, um, this is why the psalmist can actually be encouraged that when he doubts, it is actually an encouragement of God's existence, uh, not, not a condition to believe that God doesn't exist. Doubt then becomes a very positive force in a strange kind of way. We can look at that further down the line. 
because if you know God can do something and it's not happening um, and you doubt where is God, that doubt is based on the, the foundation that you know God can. God is, therefore, the doubt is affirming who God is and what he can do, even though it doesn't appear that he's doing it in the moment. Very strange that seems, but that's how the psalmists um, sort of explain and apply such um, situations as doubt, experiences as doubt. So here's Genesis 3 again. So we remember that the prohibition is that you're not allowed to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and uh, evil. So I'll just read the, the promise uh, or the word back in chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God said to the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So there's the command. So in Genesis 3, we read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat from the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the, said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. And we had a look, sort of, sort of maybe about four or five weeks ago, it, why she said, neither shall you touch it, because that's not recorded anywhere, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So uh, the serpent um, wraps up in the lie a truth in that when they do actually eat from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they do actually become like God, knowing good and evil. And the question, the age-old question, is, is the prohibition to not eat from the tree a no, um, never, or a no, not yet? And of course, Hebrews would probably argue that it's a no, not yet. That there's a level of maturity you need in order to be able to understand uh, and cope with the knowledge of good and evil. So here's the question that I have or a number of points I want to cover this morning. Firstly, there is a difference between exposure and experience. Exposure and experience. Um, then there, there are limits to experience. In other words, um, you would assume that if you burnt your hand on the hob, the ring on the, the cooker once, that you wouldn't touch it again, that you would have learned from that experience. But what experience teaches us is that experience isn't a very good teacher. It doesn't actually teach us not to do something again that we did before. There are limits to what we can learn via experience. And then, of course, there is the relationship between truth and experience. So the experience doesn't guarantee that you have actually learned your lesson. Okay, experiences do not guarantee you've actually learned your lesson. So here's the thing, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve knew that the day they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would die. Now, does anybody want to explain or perhaps hazard a, uh, a, an idea of the difference between knowing the truth as being told and then knowing the truth via experience? 
So I want you to notice that when Adam and, and Eve are told that the day of it, of it you shall surely die, they knew the truth via listening. They knew the truth via the revelation of God through words. But they did not know that truth via experience. And the, the temptation is, is that we tend to think that our children need to experience in order to learn properly. But if that is the case, then we have problems with Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. Because God seems to think that to listen to his word, that your knowledge of what you're being told is enough to not learn in a particular way. So this means that as children grow up, there's only two ways, and as adults grow up as well, there are only two ways in which we can learn. We can either learn by listening and avoid certain experiences, or we can learn by not listening and we may not actually learn from the experience that we have. Does that make sense? You understand what's going on here? So, children, let me ask you the question. Have you ever done something uh, more than once and you thought, oh, I should have remembered last time that that's what was going to happen? You ever, done, you ever done something like that? So I can, I'll give you an example. So my woodworking teacher back in the day said, whatever you do, do not touch a chisel. You know what a chisel is? It's like a, yeah, because it's very sharp. And I thought, how sharp could it be? And I touched it, and I cut my finger. Now, you would have thought, so here's the thing. The teacher told me it was sharp, but knowing, trusting his knowledge, okay, what he knew was different than knowing for myself. The question is, should it have been? Should it have been? So some people will say, well, you can't really know unless you've experienced it. You can't really know unless you've experienced it. But actually, there are some things that you should know without ever experiencing it. Okay, this is one of the things that we're trying to learn here, that God wants us to learn certain things without ever experiencing them. And this is where we come to the difference between exposure to the truth and what will happen compared to experience of that truth when we could have avoided it. So put your hands up. We don't have to put your hands up. Does, do you all understand this morning that Adam and Eve knew, knew they understood that if they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would have died? Yeah? Now, in what sense did they know? Now, this is going to be really important going forward because when we get to the, the first commandment where you are commanded to love God, the only way that command can make sense is if you believe and follow God's word. Because there are some feelings that don't always turn up. I mean, why be commanded to love? Surely to love God should just come out of a love for him. Why do I need to be commanded to love God if I just love God? And we'll get back to that in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time. So I want you to understand this morning that how children learn um, is, firstly, when we actually come to God's word, we are expected to learn by listening and following. 
so that we can avoid some things and be blessed by others. So if you were to go home and read Proverbs, what is the father doing? He's teaching his son about how the world works, how people behave, and how not to follow them so that you don't end up where they are. And what he's doing is he is exposing his son to the way the world works without exposing his son to the experience. Does that make sense? Okay, so we need to understand how the world works in a way where we're exposed to the reality, but not the experience. And the reason is because we don't always learn better because we've experienced it. It's, it's kind of a, a, a thing that we tend to believe is true that you cannot really know unless you've experienced. But that's not true. You can really know, and you're expected to know because God teaches. So how many of you, okay, the adults can answer this one as well, have thought at some point, I know this has failed before, I know this hasn't worked for that person, but I'm different it might work for me. Yeah, you have. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. How many of you thought, I know he I know that I know that I've this has not worked before, but but I know more than my dad, and I'm gonna show him that this does actually work. And then your dad, in his wisdom and humor, allows you to get on with it until you realize that he was right. Anyone been there? Oh, there's a few, there's a few, yeah, okay, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm loving the honesty. I'm loving the honesty. Okay, and the temptation, okay, that we all have when we grow up is we tend to think it'll be different for me. Okay, this is one of the things that comes out in Proverbs over and over and over again. I'm different, therefore, the outcome will be different. Okay? And I'll say later in the sermon that there's a saying that um, if history doesn't repeat itself, it definitely rhymes, okay? It definitely has a way of repeating itself in different fashions for different people. So the other thing that we are to notice um, here is that in the New Testament, there are some teaching that says that people want to avoid loss that one of the greatest motivations is to avoid loss. And that's probably true. Um, but it's also true that people want something that they don't have, that when it becomes desirable to them. And so the serpent draws attention to what Adam and Eve do not have, in that they do not have the knowledge of good and evil, but then what he seeks to do is he seeks to try and give them it in a way contrary to the way God would eventually give it to them. That is by them maturing. And so what the serpent is doing is he's saying, <clears throat> one, you are missing out. But two, in other words, you don't know until you know. It's that kind of experience argument. So let me just explain it in a, slightly, um, in a slightly different way. In, um, in Proverbs 4 and in Proverbs 6, uh, you can look there now if you like or another time, but one of the things that you'll see is a father 
demonstrating to his son what the world is like by causing him to see the same thing. Now, the best way I can explain this um, is in the following way. Now, does everyone, does everyone see the blinds uh, on the, there on the window? Yeah? Now, do you know on most blinds that you can tilt them? You can either tilt them so they look down, okay, or you can tilt them so they look up. And sometimes when you tilt the blinds just enough, as you look at them, you can't see out the window, can you? But if you walk up to the blinds and you look down at the same angle that the blinds are tilted, can you then see out the window? So what the father is doing in Proverbs is he's getting the son to stand in a particular place so that the son can see what the father sees. Does that make sense? So the father is not moving things around, you know, bringing it into his son's um, life, you know, putting, <clears throat> you know, what he's doing is he's moving his son into the same position that he is in. In fact, if you were to learn classic prose, which is one of the lessons that we were teaching back when we were in Scotland, classic prose, which is probably best done by the French more than any other writers in the world, explain that there is a difference between presentation and explanation. And in classic prose, you are presented with the truth. In other words, you are moved into a position where you get to see it for yourself rather than have it explained to you. It's very difficult to learn, but once you read classic prose, like especially the French, you begin to see just how superior their form of writing is because it's all based on presentation rather than explanation. That is true classic prose. Well, in the same way, the man in Proverbs is moving his son so that his son can see what the father sees at a safe distance. Okay, so that he is exposed, but he's not experiencing. Because Adam and Eve knew the truth about death via revelation, and then because of their sinful way, they then knew the truth about death via experience. But it was an experience that they should have never had. So you can know the truth without experiencing it, at least in some categories. Does that make sense? So fathers, as you raise your children, and mums, you know, as you have your children at different parts of the day, if you want your children to see what you see, then they have to be able to see it from where you are. They need to be able to see it from your perspective. And no amount of explanation will get them there if they can't see it, right? Because sometimes we just, we are blocked from seeing um, consequences. We just, children do not think that far ahead. And so that's why they don't see the same consequences we do. We have hindsight, we have experience, we have wisdom, we have all of these gifts uh, from God that our children are to grow up into. And the temptation is, is like Adam and Eve, they're going to want it quick. Why can I have it now? Right? Why can I just do this um, all by my all by myself. So this is how I would like um, to look at the idea of um, exposure. So the experience of sin is foolishness, 
Okay, so Romans 1 says that one of the fingerprints of sin is that a person begins to think and act foolishly. As one, believing that there is no God, and then two, living as if there is no God. Okay, that's, that's the definition of foolishness. Um, so a sinful person lives foolishly. But you can be exposed to a sinful person right, by looking out in the world and see the foolishness without ever having to experience it. And this is the idea behind the relationship between truth and experience. The way to teach truth doesn't have to be via experience. Truth comes via revelation and observation and exposure to the fallen world without having to experience it. Why? Two reasons. You want your children to avoid the necessary consequences. And secondly, there's, it's proven throughout scripture by the sheer repetition of God's people doing the same thing over and over and over again, that people don't learn from experience. They don't learn from experience. It just happens over and over and over um, again. The second thing is, is that when you are dealing with sin, the next thing that a child has to then cope with, same as the adult, is that they then have to deal with the fact that sin is altering the way that they think about things. There are, it's actually altering the belief that they have of what things will actually lead to. And so their experiences then begin to correspond. I'll give you an example. So, several years ago, I had to speak to a person who was living in a way that was not pleasing to God. Now, this person was uh, not married. This person was older than many of you, but younger than a few of you as well. And I had to say to this person, because this person got God totally wrong, and this is what the person said. Well, if God was angry, or if God was upset with the way that I was living, then why doesn't he discipline me? Okay, this was the belief. Why doesn't God discipline me? Why doesn't God tell me off because of the way that I am living? Okay? Now, the mistake that she was making, okay, was one that was actually very serious indeed. So I said to her, well, God always disciplines his children. And therefore, if you are carrying on living the type of life that you are, and you are not receiving the discipline of the Lord, or you are not seeing that you are being disciplined for the, by the Lord, then only, there's only one thing that's true. You're not actually the Lord's. What she was trying to do is she was trying to say, that my experience is telling me that God is not angry with me because I'm not being disciplined. But actually, if you read Hebrews, what the experience was actually telling her if she was not being disciplined was that she was actually not the Lord's. Does that make sense? So what you tend to find is that not every experience corresponds um, with what you're believing. Okay, and you have to sort out the relationship between truth and experience. Now, it is possible that when a person is 
um, living sinfully, that they suppress the truth because we don't like to hear what is, what is true. Okay, we just don't like to hear um, what is actually happening um, on a daily basis when God is pointing it out uh, to us. And so, in Genesis 3, there is almost a willingness to hear the lie, okay, because it's now offering something different. Okay, the willingness to hear the lie is because it is offering something different. And last week we said, well, how does Adam and Eve know whose word is true? They've been told by God not to eat. They're being told by the serpent that they can. How are they to know who to believe? And of course, we went back to the, the first command that man was given dominion over everything. And therefore, the only person man should listen to is God. And everything else, he is to speak to, not listen to. Okay, so he had the right to have, speak to the serpent and tell him what to do, rather than the other way around. And so this is the lesson that we see over and over again. That <clears throat> experience is often telling us something. And what tends to happen is Doug Wilson has probably got one of the best illustrations of this ever. He says that if a man was falling off a very high building, 150 stories, by the time he's got to the 67th story, he could still be convinced that he's all right. Right, because nothing, nothing's happened yet. Okay. But you've only got to wait 67 more stories, right, before you realize uh, that actually your fall began a long time before and now it's going to catch up with you. And a, another example of this is the prodigal son, or actually there were two sons that were lost. The, the son that went off with his father's inheritance and wasted it, that son, <clears throat> um, had plenty of money in his pocket for a number of weeks and months to enjoy um, but because it was no longer attached to the father, it was going to run out. And so what tends to happen as children grow up is, and adults as well, <coughs> excuse me, is that we can be convinced of the lie for quite a long period of time before we are aware of its actual reality. And then the consequence and the, the upset is too far down the road and you think, oh, why didn't I hear, learn this sooner? And the point was, is that God's word tells you what is true, but we are so strive after experience, and then we then believe that our experiences are then telling us the truth. Okay? So a man by the name of René Girard once said this, that most people, if not all people, um, make decisions based on how they feel and then rationalize those experiences afterwards. In other words, this is the way that I feel. Let's see if I can make sense of it. Let's see if it's a good thing. Okay, so I want to um, thank all the children for their honesty and putting their hands up to say, yeah, I've done the same thing over and over again and, I, and it's because I didn't listen. Okay, so... Remember 
Who remembers one of the first lessons that I taught about the fence at the top of the cliff? Why are we not to jump it? Anybody know? Why do we put fences at the... At the Elsa? That's exactly right. So we put the fence at the top of the cliff to prevent us from the fall and the ambulance at the bottom, okay? So what you need to understand is that God's word, okay, the wisdom of God's word is like the fence at the top of the cliff, okay? And to jump it, to ignore it, to say, well, I wondered what it'd feel like. I'd, I want to know. I want to know for myself. I know that you've told me, Dad. I know that you've told me, Mum. But I want to know. Okay. Your Mum and Dad are sparing you a lot of pain, a lot of. So, so it's really worth listening because I want you to understand that you don't need to have the experience to know. You don't need to have it. You can have the truth and know the truth just by listening. God has made it very, very easy. But because we are people who, ex God has made us to experience things, and because we now have to deal with sin, we tend to think that our experience um, is something that is always good, and it's not always good. Experiences can lie to us. Not everything we feel is true. Okay, not everything that we feel is true. So is your, is your mum and dad ever said to you, and I'll finish with this, that when you come to them, say, in the middle of the afternoon or mid-morning, and you say, Mum, I'm hungry. Mum, I'm hungry. Mum, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. And your mum has said to you, um, you're not hungry, you're bored. Or you're not hungry... You're thirsty, you just, right? There's, there's, and you have a glass of water and suddenly you're not hungry anymore. Or you get given something to do and suddenly you work all the way through and you forget about tea. Or you forget about your dinner. You, in other words, sometimes we have experiences that we think are telling us one thing when actually they're just lying to us over and over again. Does that make sense? Okay, truth and experience, okay? God's truth saves us from a lot of, lot of experiences that we don't need to have. And sometimes our experiences don't tell us the truth. Make sense? I'm, I'm gonna, because I don't have time to get through all of these lessons each week, I'm going to eventually put them into writing and put them in like a PDF or something and just send it out to the congregation once I simplify all the thoughts down to proper explanations and applications. Uh, and then you can keep it forever. But I want you to understand that last week, there's a difference between a promise and a principle. In the same way, there is difference between uh, gravity and uh, jumping. Right? You can jump off different heights, but gravity is always in play. And then this week, um, we've looked at the difference between truth and experience and then the relationship between them.